Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. Hello, and welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. I'm your host, Dave. As of the recording of this podcast, I have three years of continuous sobriety. On today's episode, we welcome Brian. Brian is a pastry chef, gay, sober, and a constant work in progress, always striving to better himself every single day. Please welcome Brian. Hey, Brian, and welcome to the pod. Hi. It's great to have you. How have you been? I've been good. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Why don't you start off by telling us your name, your pronouns, and a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm Brian. I am a, I identify as he, him. I am a pastry chef in Boston, and I'm sober, and I'm gay. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So why don't you start us off from your first using experience and bring us all the way through your story up till today? All right. Well, I think as many people of Generation X will tell you, um, alcohol was very prevalent in our childhood. Uh, we are very much always pictured holding a beer or a cigarette and you're like six years old and it's fine. Um, I grew up with a alcoholic father and his parents were alcoholics. My mother's parents were alcoholics. My mother has never drank in her life. Um, I recall having alcohol probably the first time when I was about eight. Um, and then actually drinking and getting intoxicated probably the first time when I was around 12. Um, but I was never a big partier in high school or anything. It was more um, to get comfortable in situations. I'm deeply insecure. I always have been. And it loosened you up. And when I was probably around 19 years old, I got into pastry chefing and the hospitality industry is notorious for drinking and drugs. And it was also the height of the grunge era. And we were very disenchanted youth. So there were a lot of drugs. There was a lot of partying. I spent too much time in Manhattan that I don't remember. Um, because that's kind of just what you did. And it was written off as normal because you were in your early 20s. Um, throughout all of this, I went to college. I maintained um, my GPA. I did everything right. Um, I moved to Boston for secondary school. And I can't, I, I don't think I can pinpoint when exactly it got out of control, but I know I never wanted the party to stop. Mm -hmm. And that led to multiple nights of blacking out and 
waking up with people in your bed or waking up in someone else's bed and not knowing yep. anything um, or leaving and getting home and realizing you weren't even wearing your own clothes. <laughs> That's always exciting. Um, and then you were like, well, at least we're the same size. Um, um, and then I think, you know, it was probably around my mid, well, like late, mid to late twenties where it just got bad. It got really bad. And I lost jobs. I lost friends. I lost everything. Really. I lost everything. I lost a marriage. I lost a house. Um, but it wasn't until 2017, October 1st, 2017, that I actually got sober. And as of right now, I have five years and just about 10 months. Thank um, you. Was there was there like a, um, a rock bottom moment that brought you to kind of cleaning everything up? Or was it just a realization that it was enough was enough. You know, it's, it's, it's really funny because there are multiple times that I should have hit rock bottom and I didn't. Um, mm -hmm. I fell down the stairs and broke my neck. That did wow. nothing. That did nothing. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. it did was I was in it. Then I was in a neck brace for three months. And all I did was put on a really big scarf and walk to the liquor store in the winter. Like it just didn't phase me. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, I broke my neck. That's fine. Um, and a very, very dear friend of mine died uh, from alcoholism. And probably about 10 months later, I got sober. I was in a relationship. And there were two factors. I knew I was going to lose him. And I knew I was going to die. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want either one. And I just... You know, it was it was really hard because where I was living at the time, when you walked out the front door of the apartment building, literally the first door to the left was a bar, mm. and the first door to the right was a liquor store. Wow, you were flanked on either side, huh? And there were two other liquor stores down the street, and that's where I got sober. Amazingly, that's where right. I got. That's pretty intense. So um, what are some of the tools of your sobriety toolbox? So do you use AA? Are you an NA person? What was the kind of the way of staying sober for you? Therapy. Therapy, therapy, therapy. I have been to meetings. I am not a meeting person. Um, I think it's great if they work for you. Mm -hmm. They never worked for me in the fact that I just always – thought, well, I could be so much worse. That's you know? one of the most the most common things I hear about people who are not in meetings, because I'm also not a meeting person, is the fact you're sitting there and you're like, well, this isn't me because I I haven't yes. hit these 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 bottoms. Like I haven't exactly. done these things. So I'm I'm out of here, you know? So Yeah, you're like, um, I'm good. I, I haven't like blacked out and woke up in a car in a McDonald's parking lot with a needle hanging out of my arm. I'm great. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So There's I have been, you know, I've been in therapy since I was 18 years old and it was, mm -hmm. it was actually funny because after I got sober, my therapist actually told me, he's like, you were on the short list. He's like, I was expecting you to die. Wow. And, um, I was like, well, thank you for, you know, not letting that happen. And mm -hmm. I, um, luckily I never had to go to rehab or anything. It was just, um, 
as shy and reserved as I am, I'm also incredibly strong willed. Mm-hmm. Um, once I decided it was over, it was over. I, of course, had cravings in the beginning. Um, now I don't at all. And, you know, yeah. I work in nightlife and hospitality. I'm surrounded. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm at work, like bottle girls walk right by me with mm. giant, you know, and it's it's amazing because I look at it and I see what an incredible waste it is. You know, people are going out Very and, much. and just they're trying to prove something. And maybe it comes with age, maybe it comes with experience and wisdom, but I don't have to prove anything anymore. I've already right. proven it. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to come out of that and remember how in it you were, and now now to, to be on the outside looking in, you're like, "What was I thinking? Like it? Yeah, it wasn't everything. I wasn't having the time of my life. I really wasn't." I mean, I used to. I would. I mean, I'll never forget. Years ago, I worked at a restaurant, and I, I was the overnight bread baker. I went to work at ten o'clock at night. I would show up shit faced. Mm-hmm. And the next 10 hours and somehow i did it and i mean there were nights you know you just so what you just you're by yourself yeah like, why did no one ever just find me passed out somewhere that's what's amazing like, like in an oven because you were a baker i can't even imagine yeah, all that, like, like wild <laughs> well because you would just go out to the bar and just like pour mm-hmm. yourself because it's there and no one cares yeah right it's crazy. It's crazy that we were able to function, quote unquote. It is. And now I've gotten to the point where, um, I mean, probably for the first two years, year and a half, two years, I couldn't be around it. Like I could be around okay. it or whatever, but I couldn't, I couldn't go to a bar. I couldn't, no one could have it at my house. So who is your biggest supporter now, now that you are sober and you're and you're with your therapist and you're doing your thing? Who is your biggest supporter? Oh, myself. You, The only person you have to do it for is yourself. The only person you have to wake up with tomorrow morning is yourself. And as long as you don't go back and... You know, you can look at pictures of yourself from 10 years ago and just be like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, who do I, who did I think I was? Like, why didn't I enjoy this wedding? Why didn't I enjoy being part of this group? Why did mm-hmm. I have to melt down to feel accepted? One of the hardest things is like the memories section of Facebook. If I go back too far... Even- it's I got- good. <laughs> like if you go back too far in that, it's like it's not fun for me. Like it's not. Oh. Like it just you see the posts you made and you're just like, oh God. Well, you just see, like, I think for me, the biggest lesson of sobriety is that you get to know yourself on a guttural level. Mm-hmm. You know exactly who you are and who you need to be. And if you go back in the past and you look, you you see that you're struggling to find it or struggling to accept it. And it's the, the biggest lesson is, and it's it's so stupid, but the biggest lesson is to love yourself. That's really all it is. And so many of us don't. 
And that's mm -hmm. why in our community, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it sucks, but you know, it's an appearance based community mm -hmm. and partying is just part of it mm -hmm. and find a way to still be part of the community, but not do that. It's, it's rough. It's, it's hard in the beginning. Absolutely. You have to like, you become like a, a, a teenager again, trying to figure out how to be social and how to be who you are. It's so ice. It's like almost, it's like super isolating. Cause you're sitting there like in a crowded room with anybody like a new baby fawn, like fumbling all over <laughs> yourself. <laughs> and it's also like, it's just, yeah, I just, and it's hard because you're like literally in the middle of all of these people that are having this great time. And you're just like, no, it's, okay. I'm just going to have a seltzer. Thank you. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. I don't want to go outside. No, I don't want to go to the bathroom. No, I'm good. Mm -hmm. No. And I just, I wasted so much time. I don't want to waste it anymore. I don't, you know, we don't have a lot of time in the in general. So why waste it? Mm -hmm. Very true. Yes. So now that, now that you are sober, um, what are some new plans and goals that have emerged in your life, whether it be back then when you first got sober or now, what are some things that kind of came up in your life for new plans and new adventures? Um, I think a lot of it, it's not just sobriety. The, the pandemic helped solidify mm -hmm. a lot of you. Um, mm -hmm. Traveling, 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 traveling. Getting out as much as you can, as much as I can. Um, really solidifying the relationships that lasted. Like really solidifying and cementing those relationships because you lose a lot. You lose mm -hmm. a lot because you realize people weren't true. Um, and just really like going to bed every day with a full heart and also being gracious and understanding and loving and everything that the world needs and it doesn't have is kind of just what I want to be. Mm -hmm. um, Very true. It's just being a good goddamn person. It's not really mm -hmm. that hard. And, but it was hard. It was really hard. I was, I was the chef that yelled all the time. I would make people cry. Why would mm -hmm. I do? Because I was getting out all of my own anger on other people that were like 18 years old. You've got like a 30 year old man screaming at you. That's stupid. That's absolutely mm -hmm. stupid. So I don't do it. Anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's it's crazy how much like you just. I always I always call myself when I was drinking. I was an absolute terrorist. Like mm -hmm. I would just go to places and parties and clubs and bars and P town and New York and just be a terrorist. Like I was terrorizing people and myself. Yeah, absolutely. So and bad. It was so bad. And you know, you put yourself in these situations that you would never, ever, ever put yourself in. Mm -hmm. You're like, wake up in the morning. You're like, Oh, well, I guess I got robbed last night. I have no wallet. I have no money, but. I think I had fun. Yeah. Like, fuck, that's not living. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it's, it's thing. It's like being sober, you remember everything. And that's probably one of the biggest gifts I think is literally experiencing everything. You remember every little bit of it, which makes our, which makes our friends who still use or who are just, you know, recreational drinkers, um, a little bit of fear of us. Cause I'm like, you can do whatever you want, but I will remember it all. (laughs) Absolutely. And you're like, okay, great. I guess I'll be the driver again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've seen other people's rock bottoms and I'm grateful that I didn't get there. You know, when you watch someone on a slow decline and you try to help as much as you can, it's still that same story that, you know, we can only help ourselves. Like no one, no one made me get sober. I had to for myself. Mm -hmm. And ironically, the the man that I was in a relationship with that I got sober because I didn't want to lose him, he died of alcoholism. Wow. And I had to clean it up and I had to take care of it and deal with that grief after a six-year relationship in which I got sober, but he got worse and maintain and you know if there's anything that is going to keep you sober it is cleaning up after someone died and was found in their apartment after nine days preserve their memory so that when their family comes they're not looking at 30 empty vodka bottles in the kitchen and broken dishes and overflowing ashtrays. And, you know, like you're, you're still preserving because you know that someone was important, but you see what they became. And it just, I will, that single solitary moment of time, I knew I would never drink again. I knew it. Mm -hmm. And I also, knew that I wouldn't let that happen to anyone else again. Like if you forcibly have to take someone, you do it. Yeah. It's terrible. But I would say going through all of that, I never once wanted to drink. Mm-hmm. Never want. It's terrifying. You know, yeah. That's very hard. I can't even imagine that. Um, so if you could give one piece of advice to a new- newly sober person, what would that advice be? Stay the course. Stay the course. If you think you have a problem, you have a problem. If other people think you have a problem, you have a problem. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just, and no one has ever regretted getting sober. That right there. No one's ever regretted it. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened from someone getting right. sober. Exactly. Yeah. So if you could give some advice to someone who is dealing with a loved one who is currently in active addiction, what would it be? Oh, this one hits Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. This This is the hard one. This is the hard one. Um, Support them. Love them. But protect yourself. That's, That's it. You have to protect yourself. And hopefully 
it works. Mm-hmm. But be prepared to let go. Because mm-hmm. they might make a choice that you don't agree with, but it's not your choice to make. You know about Sober Gay Sunday because you've been to our events. Um, if you could have one dream Sober Gay Sunday activity with <sighs> where money was no object, sky's the limit, we could do anything, Ooh. what would it be? Ooh. Money's no limit? Yeah, no limit. I don't, yeah, I think travel. Travel, go away, know each other on a deeper level, go to the desert, sleep under the stars. That's what I think. That's a good one. Or throw axes, either one. That was so good. That was a good one. We're going to have to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now that we're kind of wrapping up, where can people find you on social media if they want to? Um, If they want to, they can find me on Instagram, which is uh, BS Grabs. And that's the only place I am. No Facebook, no nothing else. Perfect. Well, that was a really wonderful interview. I appreciate you coming on. Um, Absolutely. So thank you so much. We'll hopefully hear from you soon. And uh, you have a good day, okay? Thanks. You too. Thank you for tuning in to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sober Gay Sunday. You can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay sober, guys. I'm so sick of small talking. Tell me something, jar talking. Hit me on the head with your biggest mistakes. I don't want your daily drama. Fill me in on family traumas. Tell me all the medication that you take. Cause life's so short, playing so fast, and not say anything at all. Talking